A single human voice, when shouting, is about 85 decibels loud. It's enough to cause hearing loss if someone were shouting right into your ear for two minutes straight. And that's just one voice. Put those voices together into a crowd, it's obviously much louder. The loudest recorded crowd volume was a few years ago at Arrowhead Stadium, home of the NFL Kansas City Chiefs. That crowd got up to 142 decibels, comparable to nearby thunder, just a few decibels shy of a space shuttle liftoff. But check a decibel chart for how loud a rock is. Well, you won't find it. A rock doesn't make noise, or does it? When Jesus made his so-called triumphal entry into Jerusalem that very first Palm Sunday, Luke's gospel, ironically enough, says nothing about palm branches. We get that interesting bit from the other gospels. In Luke's gospel, the crowds are throwing their clothes onto the ground, not palm branches. And we can be thankful that that tradition didn't carry on through today. Nor does Luke's gospel mention the word Hosanna, which means Jesus help us, which the people shout in the other gospels. And he doesn't mention a donkey, which Jesus only rides in the other gospels. Luke has decided to give us a very different angle on the Palm Sunday story. And it's something that we need to hear today. What we do hear from Luke, quite literally, is the volume level of people's voices. We get the impression, at least from the Pharisees, that the volume was so loud that it, it was comparable to Arrowhead Stadium or a, a space shuttle liftoff. The Pharisees, we might imagine, were not used to being the quietest ones in the crowd. They were more used to hearing their own voices, flexing their own authority, their own traditions, being broadcast to the crowd, not, not the other way around. But what must have really bothered them was not the loudness of the crowd, but the content of their shouting. The people were shouting in praise of Jesus. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Jesus had become a celebrity, at least for now. Because it's hard to view the story of Palm Sunday without thinking about what happens the rest of Holy Week. As the days roll by from Palm Sunday to Good Friday, those fanatical crowds would begin to realize that Jesus was not the kind of king they were expecting him to be. Those shouts of praise would turn into demands of execution within five short days. Which leads us to wonder what had to be going on in the mind of Jesus as he rode that untrained baby horse into town. You must have been thinking, these people, bless their hearts, they're, they're expecting a different kind of king, a different kind of celebrity, a, a different kind of power. In a way, Luke 
(laughs) has been trying to make just this point since the very beginning of his gospel. All, All the way back to Luke's version of the Christmas story, Luke tells us that when Jesus was born, quote, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. I mean, from the, from the start of his gospel, Luke is painting a contrast between the earthly powers of Caesar and the holy love of Jesus, between the ways of the world and the ways of God. Now, you students of history would remember that Roman peace was acquired and maintained through violence, conquest, subjugation. So the so-called Pax Romana, or peace of Rome. But the birth of Jesus was different. Remember, he was born in a stable, not a palace, attended by shepherds, not celebrities. And he would come to bring peace with justice, not peace through violence. But somehow, on that first Palm Sunday, that that massive, raucous, deafening crowd had not gotten that memo They wanted a Pax Romana Jesus, a kick-butt-and-take-names Jesus. And as they yelled their thunderous cries, they were basically saying, Jesus, we are tired of being kicked around. We want to be number one again. And Jesus, you're just the one we need. Episcopal priest Robert Capon says the typical American paradigm of the Messiah is not Jesus, but Superman. Or Jesus with a big enough cape for us to ride on. And the people back then thought Superman had just rolled into town. Several years ago, I had the privilege of being among a dozen writers to spend a week with Eugene Peterson, the acclaimed author of The Message and some of the best books on spirituality and the pastoral life. He told us a story of a time when he was invited to speak to a conference about his work. He said that he reluctantly agreed since public speaking was not really his gig, but he did it as a favor to his friend Richard Foster, the great teacher of spiritual disciplines. Well, Peterson arrived at the conference and he was backstage as he was being introduced. And when he came out, he said, he saw a huge crowd in front of him all standing to their feet, chanting his name, cheering for an extended ovation. And Eugene Peterson, this quiet, gentle, contemplative man, said in that moment he felt so out of place. He said they were expecting a version of him that he wasn't there to provide. Now, at the risk of sounding like I'm comparing myself to Jesus and Eugene Peterson, I have a similar story myself. A few years ago, I was invited to speak to a gathering of youth at an annual conference outside Florida. I was to give five talks throughout the event. I arrived at the conference site. It was a a big ballroom of a hotel. On On the first night, I was waiting backstage as one of the worship leaders was whooping up the crowd of 2,000 youth from around the state, and he he asked them to stand to their feet and scream and shout and wave their hands and give praise to God. Are you here to give praise to Jesus? (sighs) Do you love Jesus? (sighs) He had them waving and screaming and jumping. 
shouting at the top of their lungs, whipping them into a frenzy. And then he said, now let's bring out our speaker. Now you know me, you know my style, and it is absolutely the antithesis of a setting like that. I mean, can you even imagine me storming the stage and grabbing the microphone and yelling, hello, Hot Springs, Arkansas, no way. And did I mention that I was there to talk to them about United Methodist history and doctrine? When Jesus entered that frenzied crowd in Jerusalem, you can bet that running through his mind was this. These folks are screaming for something that I am not here to provide. Jesus did not come to be some Superman who would never die. He came to be a Messiah who would face death by dying. Jesus knew then and there that over the next several days, he would have to reset their expectations. Which brings us back to the Pharisees with makeshift earplugs jammed into their ear canals and angry at the madness of the crowds. They barked at Jesus to rebuke these people. Tell them to pipe down, to be quiet, quit acting out, Jesus. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus did. No, he did not quiet the crowd then and there by ordering them to be quiet, but by focusing on his mission throughout the week. Because as each day went by, he would do things and say things that would make that raucous crowd get quieter and quieter as the days went by. On Monday, he would clear the temple and remind the people that it was the power of prayer, not the power of greed, that would transform the world. On Tuesday, he taught the people about generosity and self-sacrifice, noticing a widow dropping her last lonely coins as an offering to God. On Thursday, he gathered his friends in an upper room and shared a special meal with them. In John's gospel, he washed their feet to remind them that the way to greatness is through humility and compassion and service. At every instance, from Palm Sunday on, Jesus showed the people that he did not come to be some indestructible superman but came to teach people about forgiveness and love and service to others. And he reminded people that the kingdom of God is about compassion and generosity and empathy. And you know what? Every time he did, those loud shouting Palm Sunday crowds got quieter and quieter and quieter. You know, that's what happens when you follow Jesus. All of your screaming expectations of how God should meet you on your own terms are silenced and you are left with the quiet reminder to love. So that, in the end, you and I can find a different kind of voice. Not one that shouts our expectations of God and demands blessing on our terms, but one that instead offers ourselves to God to be a part of the way of love. Holy Week gives us a chance to live in the way of peace, not in the way of violence. It invites us to love those who are on the fringe of society, the poor, the marginalized, the unloved. It invites us to express our faith in natural, warm invitations to other people who do not yet know Jesus. 
It calls us to seek the way of empathy and humility and curiosity in our interactions with other people. And if we don't find that voice, then well, maybe Jesus will make the rocks cry out. Which brings us back to the beginning of the sermon. Because in fact, rocks do make a noise after all. A week later, there was a large stone that made a sound as it was being rolled away. And its voice was unmistakable, loud and clear. Death has not won. Evil has not won. The way of love has conquered all. So this is the message of Palm Sunday. It is not found in the pageantry and pomp of palm fronds and adoring fans. But the message is one of generosity and self-sacrifice, which ultimately will lead us to a cross. Will you, who adore Jesus, take up the banner of love for the outcast and unloved, the forsaken and the dying, the lost and the least? And will you be willing to lose your life, your priorities, your agendas, and even your most precious possessions, all for the sake of advancing the good news to others? Well, to make that kind of noise, that's the greatest and loudest sound of all. Let's pray. God, you sent Jesus to be the Messiah that the world didn't even know that it needed. Forgive us for demanding you to meet us on our own terms, to advance our own agendas. Forgive us for being so loud in those demands that we fail to hear what you are asking of us. Open our ears to your direction, our hearts to your love, and our hands to your service and in compassion for others. And as we march through these days ahead, show us that the way to true life is through the cross. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.